Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and SJ Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. The other thing I want, well, there's another thing I did want to ask you about. Uh, you had brought up, because you were talking about your experience marketing and working for these big companies, A lot, another parallel between us, I think, is finding our way there by doing small things and then leaving that world in some way. Um, I'm wondering what that world was like for you and what pushed you out of it? Because it, a lot of people ask about, well, why would you leave something like IGN when they maximize your creativity? They, they paid you decently. I mean, not great. You got to travel the world and do whatever kind of whatever you wanted. I'm like, well, I wanted to do something else. It's almost unimaginable for people. I imagine you working at a Fortune 500 company. Uh, Jesus, for, that must be a Fortune 100 company, maybe even. I would, um, I would probably, yeah, they could be. I'm not yeah, sure. Especially right. at their peak, you know, 2010-ish or whatever. I feel like, a lot of people would look at that and be like, man, you have money, brands, room, space. What was that world like and why did you want to get away from it? Because I sense something there in you that that's parallel to me and not really being able to explain it uh, to a lot of people who want security over um, maximum return, let's say. Yeah. Well, there's a few a few assumptions there that I don't think are correct. Assumptions okay. that that I made. It, um, and a lot of people make that, that I think if you actually poke at them are not correct. So number one, uh, the idea of security, your job is not secure anywhere. You, you know, layoffs happen all the time, even at companies like Microsoft and shit that are just printing money where it seems like, it seems like that's a sure thing. They lay people off all the time or your team, you know, this happens all the time. If you work at a big company, they're like, oh, you're getting moved to this other team with a week's notice because, you know, uh, the director of this department is leaving the company. And so we're rolling your team up into this other person. So you have a new job for this person who's an asshole or an idiot and doesn't care about you. And so the idea that you can sort of cling to the safety of this big ship that's never going to sink is not true. The company may not go under, but your actual job uh, is you're just you're subject to the whims of a giant machine that doesn't give a fuck about you. And there's no, and and they shouldn't give a fuck about you. Like I'm not faulting them for that. You know, you're, but you're just a tiny little cog in that machine. Um, So that's assumption number one is that a a working for somebody else or big companies more secure is not true. Uh, Assumption number two that you'll make more money there is also not true. I make four times more now 
working for myself in these various different capacities than I did working for Abercrombie. Four times more. If you've worked at a big company or, or really any company, you know, think about the kind of raise that you're likely to get. I don't know if IGN was like was like this, but unless you're getting promoted at the end of the year, like, well, Colin, you know, you've been doing a great job. You know, you did this, this, and this. We're, you know, just really thrilled with your performance. You know, here's a 5% raise. Like, 5%? Really? Like, I just, how many millions of dollars of value did I contribute to this company or give me an extra like $3,000 a year? Gee, thanks. You know, and I'm not turning up my nose at $3,000. I understand that's, you know, that's a, a, a decent amount of money. But the upward mobility is is really not there. Like, I think if you're a low performer, it's probably great. But if you're a high performer, you're held back, I think. There, there's a ceiling that limits your ability to advance your career and do shit. The other thing is, like, the bigger the company is, the narrower your job description is. So if you're somebody like one of us or probably a lot of people listening that has a lot of ideas uh, and, you know, wants to like do big shit, you're not, they don't want you to do that at a big company. You have one specific job. Your job is to do that. No more, no less. It it is not welcome to bring other (laughs) ideas to the table. Um, And again, I understand why, because you can't have a company full of thousands of people that are all, you know, trying to act like they're the CEO. It, it, it can't happen. People need to fall in line, just like the military. There's a, you know, there's a, um, a, a command structure. People need to fall in line. I get it, but it's frustrating if you're a high performer that has a lot of ideas and wants to do cool shit. It, they're just, it's not going to happen at a big company. Um, so there's that. Uh, and I, I think there's a lot of value to working for somebody else, especially at the beginning of your, your your career to sort of learn how things are done. Again, a lot of the reason why you were so successful with Kind of Funny and with CLS and LSM is because you learned the playbook at IGN uh, and built a network and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's a lot of value there. I don't mean to discount that. But at a certain point in your life or your career, I, I think people like us, you're like, you know, I, I want to bet on myself. And if I take this, if I, if I take the leap of faith and I fail, you know, so be it. At least, at least I tried, but I I don't think that a lot of these assumptions that people make that you're going to make more money, that you're, that it's going to be more safe or stable. I don't think that those are actually true. I think that the supposed safe path is actually just as risky, if not more. And like, you have less control over your fate when you're working for someone else, not more. Yeah. I I remember that it's very interesting hearing what you say, because I remember at IGN, the thing I wanted to extract more than anything when I felt vulnerable there was a contract, not a raise necessarily, which was also nice, but they only offered to give me like the position I wanted and the money that I wanted in quotes when uh, I was when I left. So right. I had to really just do it. But you're right. I mean, I may ironically, I, I probably make four or five, I don't know, times more than I made at IGN now. So you're you're absolutely right. But it's also the interstitial kind of Lucy uh, in the evolutionary trail for me was kind of funny just because we I was able to then take everything at IGN and learn it there and learn about all the things we did wrong there too, which was we yep. did a lot of things wrong and then make make it even better and stronger here. So I will say, well, Dustin, let me ask you this because yeah. you you worked in you worked for someone else. You work for me now, but you also work on your own. I mean, how do you feel as a creator and and your own I don't know, your own security, your own safety, building yourself up, because I will say that the security that Finn is talking about comes from money, but it also, I think, comes from having time enough to establish yourself such that 
if something goes wrong, um, if something like there's room for error and there's room for for to try again, because I wouldn't be so eager to tell people and I'm not necessarily eager either way, but I'm not so eager to tell people to be creators because it could really go badly for you, you know. Yeah, right. you have by to the way, want I, it. I think say, that's what I, I was saying saying with Finn too about his you know his is he had it he wanted it from an early age. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip podcast. Every week I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up and coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip podcast. Hello out there. Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz and I'm Flynn McLean. Together, we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use HyperFollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Um, I was just going to say that, you know, it's interesting that we talk about this, Colin, just because you and I have had a really good, like, open dialogue with either my streaming or other stuff that it's like, I'm not, my goal isn't to, like, eventually jump ship or something. It's just, like, the idea of, like you said, establishing yourself in order to, in the, like, a case scenario where it's like, if, I mean, I hate to bring this up, but if something happened to you, Colin, where you couldn't do this anymore... It's like, I don't want to go work at some desk job. But as far as what um, what Finn said, I think what is just interesting is that, you know, these jobs that that don't care about you. And it's it's been weird for me because I, I have only worked at small businesses with like, actually, in both jobs I've had, I was the only other employee. 
So it's been a weird dynamic for me in that aspect. But there's something to be said, of course, about like wanting to go out and be an arbiter and do something yourself. The thing that I'm always cautious about, and I see this all the time, is people that just like jump into the pool without thinking twice. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I always tell people. It's like you can you can try this out without having to quit your job. Like there are so many me and that's what you mentioned Finn earlier about like, you know, people have the internet now you can just like record a video on your phone and put it out there. You can put your opinion out there so easily. And it's really because of that really changed the entire dynamic of creators. The the keys are uh in the hands of really anybody with a cell phone now. Right. Yeah, I would right. suggest I'm sorry. Any- I'm sorry. Go ahead, Finn. Sorry. Oh, I would suggest anybody before you just, uh, as you said, Dustin, jump into the pool uh, with both feet and no shirt on and potentially belly flop, ramp up the thing that you want to do as a side hustle while you're still employed and see if you like right. it, see what the traction is, blah, blah, blah. There's going to be a point at which like, hopefully your side hustle is becoming so successful that it's competing with your real job. And that's the point when you decide what is what is the point where it just makes no sense to keep my day job. I think that's the right. way to do this. Where you're like, you know, I'd be yeah. dumb to keep this day job. I, I got to go all in on this thing. Right. That's what we did with kind of funny. I, it was just ironic that we were leaving IGN to do that. We weren't leaving our jobs at a factory or something like that. So it was like, it was tough to leave one fun in quote jobs for another fun in quote jobs or job. But it's interesting because it was that that generational leap in, su- in, in such a way that I, I, and that's what the luck I was talking about that allowed me to kind of regroup a few times when people in their life might not get that chance. But one thing you said, Finn, I think is really important for creators out there or could be creators. If you can, if you find that the side hustle is too much for you, you don't want it. Yes. Yeah, and then, Correct. and then you, and then you know that, that you can just keep it. And there's nothing wrong because I say this sometimes and I don't mean it to be insulting. And I don't, I think people understand what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with a job where you punch a clock or where you work at a desk. And Not a damn thing. I, I wish that right. I was wired for that. Yeah, I think I think that's sometimes too. But it's just because I say that to people all the time when when they complain about the work that's necessary in the gaming industry, and you know, some guy at Insomniac saying he worked forty hours a week on Spider Man or whatever. And I'm like, well, maybe you did. I mean, I, I, right. I guarantee you that that's not that's not the case for most of the team. And I, I'm not so sure I'd be admitting that in a creative field, but. I do think you brought up something interesting, which is the other thing you learn when you're doing it as a side hustle is if you want it or not. Because when I was in high school, I worked at a deli and I was in school and I played hockey and I wrote game facts for no mm-hmm. reason. I mean, and then right. when I was in college, I freelanced and worked snow removal and landscaping and was in school and, and interned and all these kinds of things. So it's a great way to learn if you want it, because nothing makes you busier than working for yourself. Yes. Um, All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. 
Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.